Nice. Welcome, everyone, uh, for our viewers at home. We are uh, coming to you live from MSW Lounge here in Austin. It is a place for health and wellness. We tend to have a lot of fun here. I'm sitting alongside the co-founder, Baldo, my best friend, business partner. Uh, he is one of the people that's been very instrumental in this place being as successful as it has been. People don't even know that nowadays because they don't get to see him as often, but he's floating around for the people who've been here from the beginning. Uh, Baldo is by far the best sales person I've ever met, but he's not pushy by any means, which is great. He uh, speaks from the heart whenever he does uh, try to sell anything because he only, you know, does it with people and things that he believes in. So I feel very honored that Baldo chose to take this journey with me for the last five years. And uh, over the course of five years here at MSW Lounge, we've grown, but Baldo and I have grown as well. And individually speaking, Baldo has been growing from a health standpoint. I can let him get into his journey, but I've seen it as his best friend. Uh, I mean, what, six years ago, you couldn't even bend over and touch your toes because <laughs> your hamstrings were so tight and he was running uh, like Ironman and marathons like every other weekend. And I was like, I don't think that's healthy. If you can't even bend over and touch your toes, but you run 26 miles at a time, like, you know, like what's going on? And then like fast forward, I think another year later, he, he actually started selling supplements, right? You actually started selling supplements where I did. And uh, he started looking at, you know, what the ingredients were and he's very intelligent. So I started explaining to him what the vitamins were and why they meant something. And he got really intrigued by it. And he, I think that helped him learn more. But the biggest change is when he found out about yoga. When Baldo learned about yoga, his whole life changed after that. He was never the same. And it's not a bad thing. It's just you've never been the same ever since you found out about yoga. How many how many days of yoga now in a row have you done? Well, I don't know, five, six years now. Six seven? years of yoga, seven, maybe yeah. like something like that. So he's, he's done yoga every day as a way to yeah. develop, I don't know, maybe diligence. Maybe you've already had that. You, you tend to... I've always been attracted to discipline. Discipline. And just yoga took it a different, to a different level. Yeah. Then it's like, I mean, with different, with discipline, it's always like I learn something new or I, um, I, I can now do a different skill, whatever. But, um, but with yoga, it was like, oh, I can get into that pose now. <laughs> and that's like an accumulation of, I mean, first of all, flexibility, right? Like, yeah. and there's still poses that I don't, I can't get into and that I'm working on them. And yeah. it's like at least 10 minutes, like work right. on that one pose at least 10 minutes. And then by the end of the year, it's like, sweet, I got that. Now what's the next one? And so there's always the next one. Did you feel something different in yourself <clears throat> the first time you did a yoga class? I mean, <laughs> um, I, well, I mean, I was kind of chasing the girl to, to the yoga class. So yeah, I felt very different pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was kind of like challenging and, well, the thing about it was that um, I always thought yoga was a religion and then um, sort of thing. And so I, I didn't really care for it. But and so when I showed up, I thought, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking. And um, I wasn't even dressed in workout clothes, but 
I did notice there was a lot of tough things that I couldn't do, just especially because it was a hot yoga class. And then people were doing things that I was like, man, like, why can't even, why can't I do that? Right. Um, and I, someone there at that first class that it took was celebrating like a, like a 30 day challenge or something like that. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to do that, you know, just because like, well, I want to be able to do whatever that guy's doing. Yeah. Um, and then it just, within that 30 day challenge, someone else celebrated, I've done a year in a row. I was like, well, I can do five years, you know? And so then it just became a thing. Yeah. Um, and now it's been like seven, ten, well, because we saw, we used to work with, uh, what's his name over at, at uh, Yoga Vita? Oh, Dean. Uh, with yeah. Dean. And he's like, well, I've done 22 years. It's like, well, fuck, I'm not stopping him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember he said that. And I remember because you were so proud. You're like, I've done yoga every day for the past four years. And yeah. Dean goes, I've done it for 20 two years yeah and i was like okay yeah but it was interesting because i think it made you realize this is ongoing yeah right it's not like okay 30 days is up because a lot of people like to think oh a 30-day challenge a 30-day diet change 30 days to change my mindset and then what i go back to my old ways or or, you know and i think what's interesting is you have a mix of uh integrity with everything you do because there is no going back i've never seen you revert back to an old habit that, that didn't serve you right like it's not like Oh, now I'm not going to be flexible anymore. Oh, now I'm not going to stop. Now I'm going to stop taking vitamins now that I got healthier. You know, like I've never seen that with you. Right. But one of the bigger changes when we start working together was the incorporation of labs into your life. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now you yourself have done tons of labs. We've, you've been a guinea pig the whole time with like I have. And so you've done everything that I've done. And so you've had maybe what 10, 12 rounds of labs done over the course of what, six years, something like that. Yeah. I think we just did 10 this last time. Okay. And, um, What's interesting is everything that we discuss when it comes to lab readings and lab reports is very much evidence-based because we take two different aspects. I believe you're a clinician now because you have seen enough from the clinical side to interpret our own research and develop our own research. And I think you are a researcher in every sense of the word because you learn. And that's the biggest thing is that you are a student by heart and you want to keep learning. And I think you've pushed me as a practitioner learning more about myself and the human body because you read something that I haven't read before, or you maybe you understand it a certain way that I don't understand it. And I said, well, maybe, maybe if we do it this way, or maybe we talk about this perspective, I see where you're coming from. And I'll never forget, you know, before we get into the science aspect of everything, this is where we met in the middle. Remember we were developing medical yoga? Yeah. Okay. And we developed medical yoga, which is really cool. It's actually, uh, it was yoga based off chakras and meridians, yep. which is a mix of, of, you know, Chinese medicine, acupuncture. It was really fascinating because was a it was a lot of fun because we, we sat down and we talked about why he would do, uh, neck stretches for the thyroid. I remember that was one of the things he's like, well, if we're going to do a thyroid routine, we're talking about doing a thyroid yoga routine and said, okay, what would we, what are some of the poses you would do in yoga? Right. And so Baldo's like, well, one of them that you would do is uh, neck flexion. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because uh, the nerve from the neck where you're bending it forward, that nerve goes directly into the thyroid. Did you know that? Did yoga know that? And he's like, no, we didn't know that. I was like, well, chiropractor knows that, you know, if you adjust C6, that nerve goes into the thyroid, thus making it healthier. Right. And I said, that's really cool. We did the adrenal, uh, because we did B5 shots with that. We did B5. Just like, yeah. And, and, uh, and one of the cool things I remember was like, uh, acupuncture points that we would press while we were doing a yoga. Yeah. Like you're doing like the, like hold, 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 hold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And we would put acupuncture points with it. 
It was really fast. You would have been proud, I think, actually. And uh, well, yeah, because the beginning of the classes, I remember, this is wow, this is like three years ago, right? This four, is four maybe? years ago. Four this years is four ago. years ago. And so I remember we were thinking about like even at the beginning of the classes, we would we I would start the class with like, look, these are the points that we're going to be referencing during the class, so that way they would know what they were during the class. Because or else I wasn't going to be teaching the class and be like, if you guys do this part, like we did that yeah. at the beginning, so that way everybody already knew. Yeah, and the other yeah. cool thing is uh you also had me give a talk yeah for about 15 minutes on the adrenal glands beforehand like this is why we're doing this. this is why the adrenal glands are important we even had a whiteboard behind it too where i drew on so it was really a cool incorporation and we created that like i think we created that from the ground up so yeah. i think that was really cool but when we started doing more labs we started looking at like okay this is should how the body course actually we should we should do <laughs> we, we started looking at uh how how the body functions right because you found yoga uh, which meant you found meditation and you mentioned you found breath work right which meant you found peace yeah okay which is incredible so i see baldo basically living with me every day this we're, we're essentially a startup from the ground up we literally he stayed with me in the family the first years we started developing this uh we shared a car you know we went to work every day together and so we learned a lot and sunday nights we had our meetings and we pulled a car out of the garage and we would sit down and talk about how we were going to make MSW the best place in the world and how we were going to change uh, and make healthcare like the emphasis for everyone's body. And and that's why we would talk it. That's literally how we talk to every Sunday night to each other. How can we make this the best thing for other people, how they can grow? What, what tools can we give them? This is how we would talk. So Baldo starts talking about labs, like really labs are everything. We really need to emphasize this more. So we start incorporating that more into what we did with vitamins and it was a hit. But everyone's always asked all along, well, prove to me what you're doing. And this is funny because years ago when we started this and, and you didn't get this as much, but when we started an IV clinic, uh, on the medical side, doctors would say, why would you do that? Why would you give a vitamin bag full of B12? And you're just going to piss it away. And like, you didn't do labs, like all these, like just derogatory marks towards it. I'm like, well, there's a lot of science behind this. We actually have labs that measure not only the nutrition, but how nutrition affects hormones and the brain and heart and liver. And that's when the doctors just lose it. There's like, I don't, I don't understand whatever. I wasn't taught this. I'm not going to listen. But it was cool. Baldo never thought about it that way. He's just like, how can we interpret this in a way where people would understand this? Let's bypass the doctor's mentality because we're not going to get referrals from them anyway. Let's go to the general public. So then he got on this mission almost for himself to say, well, if I'm going to speak this on behalf of me and Jonathan, then I have to understand what I'm talking about. So you should watch the way he would talk to people, especially his background. We talked about Cutco. He did a lot of events. So he has never been shy from anyone. This Baldo is the type of person that could make a friend with anyone in the world because he's not afraid to go up and talk to someone, which is a great quality to have in someone, I think. It also scares a lot of people because not a lot of people are like that. But when people would come up to him and ask him questions about B12 or glutathione or NAD, he would first say, we need to talk to Jonathan about this. He's the practitioner, blah, blah, blah. But they're like, well, I'm talking to you. You know, and then he'd have to go pull me aside. Hey, you got to talk to this person. And I'm talking to someone else. I say, Paul, you got to get this stuff down, man. Like we got it. We got to make sure you, you can speak on our behalf. We were the same person, right? So he found this book to make his education even better. He found a book by Simland. One of our friends gave it to him a couple years ago. Yeah, it was right. metabolic autophagy. Keith gave it to me. Keith yeah, gave it to us. Right. Keith from Paleo FX, one of our good friends. <clears throat> and he gave this book to Baldo. 
Because he saw something involved. He's like, this might help you fill in the missing links. Well, he read it and he was like, I don't get it. And so you should probably have it. Which is incredible because we value Keith's yeah. opinion. He's so smart and he's incredible. He's been on other podcasts of ours. But for him to give it to Baldo speaks wonders, right? So Baldo and I would have these conversations about uh, metabolism for years. And uh, we've had with several people who, who really push the envelopes of how we believe the body functions. Metabolic uh, autophagy yep. essentially promotes the idea that the body functions better while fasting. Okay, and that brings us to today's topic. Yeah. Fasting has been incorporated into Baldur's life ever since he found out about this book and started reading it, I can believe. It was right? a little before that because uh, part of the reason I... Like the, I, I already understood a little bit of, well, it was more of like I trusted some sources. When I was f first looking for, well, when I first came into fasting was because I had torn my meniscus doing yoga. That's right. Like I was trying to do <laughs> like right. um, <laughs> Lotus. I was trying to do other things while in Lotus pose and it just snapped. And my search was... Uh, you know, <laughs> surgery is not the answer. Like it can't, or it can't be the only answer. Like there's got to be a way. And then ligaments, it's always been this theory that like they don't grow again. Uh, right. Listen, yeah. li ligaments that, like, oh, they don't grow. It's like, that's not, that can't be possible. Like that's, and so I started looking for stuff and I ran into stem cells. Mm -hmm. I was like, but it's not necessarily stem cell therapy. Yes, that's one way. Uh, but then uh, my search was like, well, how can the body create more stem cells? On its own, yeah, and uh, that that uh, pathway or that research pathway uh, just kept going back to fasting and fasting and fasting and fasting and uh, and, and yeah, we have found that and any all the most current research shows that um, that fasting uh, in certain amounts of time suppressing insulin uh, helps with stem cell regeneration. So, in a sense, like your body can heal itself. Uh, when you give it time to do so by not giving it other stressors like eating because eating is a stressor uh, and, uh, and just giving it time to do that thing to heal itself basically yeah and so he comes to me and tells me all this says I'm not going to have surgery on my knee um, I think I'm going to fast and I looked at him and I didn't make judgment but I was like okay that's an interesting idea tell me why he says exactly this. And I say, okay, so if you mean to tell me by not eating, you're going to regenerate cartilage in your knee or your ligament? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. How are we going to prove this? That's my scientific research background. How are we going to prove this? This is fascinating. What makes you believe this is going to work? That's the other part of science. Prove to me that we're going to be wrong, right? And I, I think about people who get injections for their knee all the time, either to reduce inflammation or to maybe sometimes build up uh, cartilage, like, you know, stem cells, growth factors, growth factors, whatever. And so I said, okay, well, let's try it. So you started fasting. I said, this makes, you know, some kind of sense. I said, let's do it. And so I said, all right, well, what are we going to do going forward? And he goes, well, I got it. I'm going to develop a fasting protocol. Yeah. So what is your fasting protocol? Sweet. And so then we'll go into why that is in a second. But basically, my goal is always to fast 10% 10, 10 of the year. 
Um, and uh, so that breaks down to, uh, if you guys can look at the right side types of fasting, there's like intermittent fasting, time restricted, extended fasting is the one that we're talking about with a lot of regeneration properties. And then even alternate fa alternate day fasting. I tried that before just for, for weight loss. And I don't know why I read that. Uh, <clears throat> but I don't find alternate day fasting to be very, very beneficial. But um, I do do between 18 to 20, I mean, between 16 to 20 hours of daily fasting. So I just limit myself to one meal uh, to, so I can get some of the benefits that autophagy brings. Um, and, uh, and then I do once a month, I do three days. Uh, uh, so three days, no eating, just water, some mineral water. Mm -hmm. And then once a quarter, a six day fast. And, uh, and then I have a protocol for what to do three to five days prior to starting a three to six day fast to make that process a lot easier and, and not get the headaches and not get the right the things yeah so let me re-emphasize this so baldo will fast on a routine basis now every day pretty much right you do uh, like a intermittent fast yeah and i i don't really like that term anymore really but it's uh you will do a fast of some sort daily and then he'll do a fast once a month and uh for three days and then he does a six day water fast yeah once a quarter six day water fast here's the deal he tells me this while he's telling me about the knee thing. He's like, so I'm gonna do a six day water fast. And then I was like, okay, why a six day fast? And he starts explaining why. So autophagy is is self-eating. Like that's a process of the body eating itself. Uh, and uh, and it's a major cleaning system for, for the body because, uh, I mean, it, it does this all the time anyways. Like that's how it clears things out. Uh, but, but it's also, our bodies are very smart, right? From the sense that like, you know, so for example, like three, four, five days, six days. In, in my case, I had damage here. Uh, at some point, it's like it's looking for nutrients. So it's going to start away at eating tissue, but it does start with bad tissue first, right? So it does start with like some of your damaged tissue. It's almost like your body saying like, well, we're not going to use this even if we were healthy because this part's not healthy. Let's, mm -hmm. eat, let's eat that for nutrients. Mm -hmm. So in that process, there's a nice little window from what the research shows, right? That like, hey, we're eating the bad tissue, creating new stem cells, and it needs to recoup be recuperated here again because that's what we just ate. And there's a nice little window before you just are eating yourself and not replenishing that. So that was that was kind of the goal between like five to six. And I mean, and we, we did a podcast with one girl that had all sorts of autoimmune disorders and she had done like a 22-day fast mm -hmm. to reverse like... 30 different autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And it was very, she went off to a retreat to go do that. And she had very controlled group and water that was specific to, for this. There were minerals only, that she supplemented with. Yeah, yeah. But it was very much like, and she did, she, that was her story. She reversed like 30 plus autoimmune disorders that she had by fasting 22 days. And, and, and it was that whole concept of, well, I was just giving my body the time to do what it, to clean itself. And then when it was the right time, I started eating again, right? Giving the, the nutrients. Uh, and for me, that that's pretty remarkable because, um, the, well, the thing about like eating all the time and we keep running into like, why is it three meals a day and, and all that stuff? Uh, like you just don't give your body enough time to, well, first of all, to even finish 
eating those nutrients that you just gave it. So by the time it's even done going through those, you're already feeding it more. So what it has to do is go store it somewhere so you can start working on the new stuff that you just fed it. And, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing, right? Because it's like, where is it going? Is it going to fat cells? Is it going to your muscles? So on and so forth. Yeah. So the autophagy deal is where science has discovered the ability to body for the body to basically make itself healthier. And if you look at our bodies, we're essentially batteries, we're antennas, we we have electricity going through us, we can recharge our batteries uh, many times over throughout the day, but we really do it throughout the night. Well, one of the things that uh, comes along with fasting is why you're doing it for a a metabolic standpoint. And that brings to the metabolic autophagy. Well, autophagy will say your body will clean itself and regenerate itself. That's essentially what it does. It has that capability to do it if you put it in the right space. Not eating puts it in the right space because when we cloud our bodies full of unwanted calories, unwanted energy, Your body basically gets backed up trying to absorb, digest it, and put it somewhere that maybe not want it. So, for example, sugar, and we've talked about sugar many times. We talk about glucose all the time. Glucose is a form of energy just like uh, carbohydrates is the same thing. Well, protein and fats are the same thing as well. And you get energy from all of those. Well, we get majority of our energy from uh, glucose because majority of our diets are carb-based. That's what we've been taught for years. But nowadays, we basically want to limit the amount of carbs going into our body because carbs aren't necessarily exactly what we need in order to function better. However, if your body runs off of glucose, you will not live a long, healthy life. That, that's really interesting to say that because it goes against all our biochemical biology background of saying glucose is the foundation of energy that we get in the body because we make something called ATP with it. Yeah. Now, now we're going to talk about cellular health. So autophagy is targeting cells and cleaning them out. But what Baldo didn't mention was those cells are the deepest part of all our cells. It's called our mitochondria. Yeah, and that, that's what I that's what I have here. So mitochondrial theory of aging basically <laughs> talks about that. It's the organisms organisms in general. This is not just humans; just anything that's living dies because of the accumulation of free radical damage to cells over time. So mitochondria produces energy. Right, anytime there's energy production, there's reactive oxygen species, right? Which means that there's gonna be oxidative stress. Anytime there's oxidative stress, then your mitochondria can be dysfunctioning. And that means that when it's replicating itself, it can replicate itself in the less than form, if, 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 uh, if that's a great term or not. But basically, if there's a lot of damage to the mitochondria. It dies off and it replenishes itself, which it does all the time. That you're, you can technically be changing your DNA in a negative, Correct. in a negative factor, right? And that's what aging is, right? And so the idea is that we do this, and we don't give ourselves time to really clean ourselves from all this, which is what really what autophagy is doing, right? If you give yourself time to you know, obviously you're producing energy, creating some reactive oxygen species and some oxidative stress, and then maybe you're fasting and you're and, and you're creating autophagy, you start to clean this up, then your mitochondrial DNA can be intact in the way that it's supposed to be because uh, because it had because you're once again because your body had time to to clean itself out from from anything else that's going to create dysfunction in the mitochondria, so that when it replicates itself and it's replicating it with its original DNA. 
code yep. um, instead of something that's already been mutated because of whatever damage happened. Now, I, I'm, this is so such an honor to say this. Let me put this in layman's terms now that Baldo say it very scientifically. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of energy production. You have these cells in each one of your brain cells, your liver cells, your heart cells. Aging, call it stress, toxins, thoughts, whatever, will disintegrate your DNA and your mitochondria. Basically, it wears you down. Over time, that's what slows you down and basically causes you to age. So when Baldo's talking about fasting and promoting autophagy, what he's really talking about is longevity. If you think about polluting our cells and the most precious part of our cells like mitochondria, polluting it with things that doesn't serve it. Think about all the processed glucose, sugar, and carbs that we've eaten over the course of a lifetime. The mitochondria does not, does not like glucose. It prefers fat for its form of energy. It's like a long release. It's a long release, okay, which is incredible. Glucose is very quick. That's why when you eat a high-carb meal, you have a sugar crash very quickly because your sugar increased and then it spiked and it comes back down. That doesn't happen with fat because you're not eating sugar. You're eating fat. Fat is long-acting, breaking down. So what happens is your metabolism doesn't go up and down throughout the day like you would with glucose. And if you look at our old meals, breakfast was full of cereal and carbs. That's who invented breakfast, right? And then you have biscuits with that, yeah. you know, pancakes, waffles, right? You need to continue replenishing your fuel source. Which is why General Mills and breakfast was created because they said, yes, you woke up, you're fasting, break your fast. You need energy in order to continue throughout the day. Breakfast is your most important meal of the day because of this reason. Dr. Pepper used the same concept when they created Dr. Pepper by the 10, 2, and 4 method, right? You have a Dr. Pepper when you're having a sugar crash at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. Why? Because your sugar will fluctuate throughout the day. Dr. Pepper knew this already, but most people don't know this. Balda and I had to discover this, you know, when we're in our 30s. Yeah. And, and, and what's incredible about it is, is they say, okay, what do we need in order to function? We need energy. Okay, well, how do we get energy? Well, we have to eat it. But we also can get it from many different forms. We can get it from sunlight. Yep. All right. And here's the thing. Like sunlight, it can charge something and, and you can store it. So then what you're looking at is the body stores a bunch of energy. It stores energy in the liver, the fat cells, the brain, or the muscles. When there's too much sugar in those areas, the body does not like this. And it causes damage and inflammation known as oxidative stress. If this oxidative stress continues to run rampant in the body and the body's not healthy from the liver to make antioxidants to decrease this inflammation, then essentially now you have an accelerated aging process that basically tears away at the mitochondria and it's a feedback system that never stops. Yeah. Baldo basically found a way to stop it. So on the, <laughs> so on the going back to the knee example, you know, obviously it was torn. So there was a lot of dysfunctional mitochondria on that area. And if the goal of doing like a six or eight day fast was to give my, my body enough time to just go eat all that bad mitochondria and then really tap into what the original coding was. So that way, whenever it was re replicating itself in this area, then it was like new mitochondria creating new tissue uh, and then thus reducing the aging process specifically in this area. But obviously if you're doing it, you could do it whole, you know, wholeheartedly for your whole body all the time. True, yeah. but it brought up a good point. And to follow up on it, Baldur says knee got better. 
I mean, it really did. Like he was telling me, he's like, it feels different. It feels stronger. It, it, I can tell the difference. And this is also coming from a guy who's done exosomes and stem cells in his knee. Um, he, he takes care of his body, analyzes his body. He analyzes his sleep, analyzes his poop. Like this guy looks at everything in the body and understands that uh, essentially you're going to need your cells function at all optimal levels in order for you to be a better person. Like, you know, like whatever it is, you want to be able to do more. Baldo wants to live, what, to 150? Hopefully now 150. 120 is what I started at. 120 and now it's 150. This is basically since we started working together. When we first started working together, we thought vitamins and good diet and good sleep was going to get him to 120. Now, because he doesn't eat, he's going to live longer. That's incredible if you really think about it. It goes against every nutritional idea we've ever had because if you come to me and say, I'm going to go on a paleo diet, I'm on a gluten-free diet, I'm going to go on a vegan diet, I'm going to say, okay, cool. How does it affect your body? Well, I don't know. You know, it helped my friend lose some weight and helped him give him energy. I'm like, okay, but what does it do to your body? Well, I don't know. Well, I can tell you what it does to your body and what it doesn't do for your body. The interesting thing is fasting has to be done correctly in order to benefit. If you don't do fasting correctly, there's no benefit. And, and for those who are still questioning fasting, just look at all the religious cultures throughout the years who have used fasting for 30, 40 days at a time. I mean, it's, this is nothing new. They've used this for thousands of years. But it's a tool to recharge and replenish and, and, and detoxify your body. So please tell us, Baldo, about the different ways to fast. Well, um... Intermittent fasting is probably the one that most people get to try out at first because it's like, oh, I can just like, because a very common one is people will just like, I'll just uh, stop eating after like, let's say 7 p.m. And then they just fast until like 9 p.m. And that's that's great. Um, the, depending on how much you're exercising, depending on uh, what nutrients you are eating when you are eating, uh, the, the goal of any of that is to try to get yourself into autophagy quicker. Right to, to to get the benefits of autophagy, and and, uh, and so for me, like I, if I'm not exercising one day and I'm eating my crap because it's Friday and I just want to have popcorn and nachos to watch a movie, then the next the next I'm gonna do a twenty hour like a twenty hour fast at some point, right? Because it's like, come on, I gotta give myself time to my body to give. I need to give my body some time to finish cleaning all that crap that I just ate. So I still want to indulge in all that stuff, right? Like I'm, I'm now, human and now, I love it. Now, could you say a 20 hour fast is basically a one day fast? Basically. Right. I mean, it's basically, I'm trying to, so, so by the way, I also want to make sure that people understand that there's a difference between like an intermittent fasting and, and like uh, like calorie restriction, like and from the sense of like eating less calories, which people talk about for losing weight. I'm not trying to eat less calories. I'm still eating the same amount of calories just in a shorter period of time. So that way my body has more time when it's not eating and giving my body more time to, to tap into autophagy. Right. So whenever... So I'm still eating like 2,500 calories or 3,000 calories depending on my workouts and all that. Right. And whenever people think about diets, they always... They've been taught to think about calories. Right. And the thing about it is calories are not important. I really don't think calories are important at all. Never. Okay. And which goes against everything we thought of and, and diet, because here's the truth. The only reason you know about the, the number 2000 calories is because you were told by a government official or government agency, probably think of a couple off the top of your head that told all the school teachers and doctors around the country, people need 2000 calories a day. 
And, and I think it's completely false because I really believe who told people you need 2000 calories a day is General Mills, Kellogg's, uh, all the companies that wanted you to buy their products. Yeah. And the same people that said eat three square meals a day. I don't even know who made up the calorie number. Uh, yeah. Could you explain the difference while you're on this uh, between fasting and starving? Ah, great, great question. I love that. So the question was, can you explain the difference between starving and, and fasting? Between starving and fasting. So, okay, so I'll give you just like a, a real world example that I do myself. So, for example, whenever I started doing my six day, eight day fast, uh, there's telltale signs, right? And I guess I'll start. I'll start explaining that with this. Uh, one of them being like your your eyes can kind of get bloodshot once you get into like the starvation mode. Your your tongue turns black um, when you start to get into the starvation mode as well too. And that's basically where you actually are eating more of like like the good tissue. Like there's no more bad tissue. There's no more fat out there, and you start starving. Honestly, like all the research that I that I that I've noticed is that like. You can go like 45 days before you get into starvation mode unless like you're still working out the whole time and burning lots of fuel. And for some reason, you still haven't eaten 22 days later or something like that. Like sure. that's, uh, but other than that, it takes a while. And, and But there are telltale signs. The, 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 the first goal of uh, fasting, though, is autophagy. The second goal of that is to have some metabolic flexibility. Right. Yeah. And that's that's being able to to feed off of sugars, carbs, yeah. and also being able to feed off of uh, like ketosis, ketones, right? What's crazy is that I was reading that breast milk is is mostly ketones. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, and so and, and so your body is already used to that, but we we pump it with so much uh, so much sugar that we get used to eating sugar. The problem is that whenever you're only sugar based, not keto adapted, back and or being able to be back and forth, is that when you are out of your carb resources or sugar resources for fuel, you do start to eat away at your muscles and you have muscle uh, damage, right? Yeah. Like people say, like, well, aren't you going to lose muscle? What's crazy about it is if you're keto adapted, you can actually gain muscle mm -hmm. during a fast. And I do that. Uh, I mean, the thing about it is that I, I prefer to eat fasted. I mean, uh, to work out fasted in the mornings now. Because then as soon as I start fuel, it all goes back to, to, to the muscles and I'll build muscle quicker. Yeah. Um, and so it's just about timing it right. Uh, but the, but, but that's the main goal with that is like to have that flexibility where, where, where you can feed off of the sugars and then just on an instant start, start feeding off of fats. Right. Right. And you can turn, uh, proteins into sugars, right? Like that's, that's uh, right. That's uh, nucleogen. Uh, what is it? Nucleogenesis? No. Um, Gluconeogenesis? Well, no, it's glycation, is what it really it's glycation. is. Glycation. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but uh, what's not necessarily possible is to take, turn fats into sugars because it turns That's into correct. protein first. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. That's correct. Now, uh, I want to also kind of follow back up on what Walter is asking about the starvation versus fasting. Do you poop when you're fasting? Uh, not probably not on the fourth day. Not on the fourth day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you urinating? Yes, a lot. The entire time. What is the color of your urine? Pinkish, yellowish. Okay. So, does it ever get brown? No, but I would look for that. Okay. Yeah. So that's, because that that's would be like liver damage. Right. And so that goes into more starvation mode, because what happens is there's a difference between starvation and there's a difference between fasting. 
right? So if you look at fasting, I think that fasting is you're burning off good, clean resources fueled up like fat. If you have starvation, you've been running off of sugar yeah. and now you've run out of any type of reserves. Yeah. And, and I think that the real question is like, what's the difference between like autophagy and, and, and starvation? Because starvation, you're out of autophagy at that point you're just basically you're depleted but it's completely depleted uh because fasting just means not eating right like yeah it doesn't like mean technically anything. i could be fasted for two days for two hours because of, and then i ate again uh but uh but uh what was i saying but but you're you're right like starvation is way more dangerous you're malnutrient right you probably start getting spots all over your your uh your nails and your skin and um, you're creating, I mean, you're basically eating yourself to the point where you're not replicating yourself anymore. Yeah. And I, I, if you are fasted the correct way for three days, you're not really tired. No, you're focused. You're focused. This is, this is the difference between running off the right type of gasoline. If you're running off the sugar going into a fast, there's no way you're going to complete a fast you will crap out, you will bonk out, your body will go in a confused mode and you will not feel good. This is the hangry that most people get, right? This is why Snickers was you know, so big. Um, if, if you're running off of fat, going into a fast, there should be no problem. If you have been eating fat or keto, let's say for example, if you've been eating keto for years and let's say you just cut out the, the dairy, yeah. Right. And you still do like avocado, fish or whatever. A three day fast for you is a walk in the park. It can be. Yes. Why? Well, the struggles and I've tested this myself, too. Like I've, I've eaten just candy before before starting a fast or I've done like nothing but carbs, like potatoes and whatever. Uh, and just had difficult times with the fasting because that transition of like going from uh, carb based to to um uh, to fat-based like fuel, it's 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 really hard. Like it's just you start getting sugar withdrawals, yep. and it's like any other withdrawals. Like it, you know, it's just it's really hard. You start getting headaches. You start feeling like crap. But that's why, like for me, so <laughs> it was really interesting because like well, part of it, part of it, like on the three-day fast and the six-day fast that I do on a quarterly basis, it's it, it's about quarterly, but it's usually when I'm having that. Um, whenever there's a new season, right? Because like right now I have sniffles going on and I know it's allergies and I was planning to start fasting today, even though my allergy started three days ago, but I decided not to fast until today because I wanted to, you know, whatever, talk about it. Um, but I know that if I would have started the moment I started feeling the sniffles, they would have been gone already because my body, my gut bacteria would have replenished itself with the newest bacteria that's in season in a sense. Uh, and then they would have just been gone. And so I'm so excited to fucking do my fast right now because I just want to get rid of this. Uh, and, and, and it's, but it's true because I, I want to restart the gut for whatever is in season. And, and do I only eat seasonally? No, that's not, I'm not opening up my laptop and find out like what's, what's in season right now. Uh, but, uh, the allergens that are out there in the, in the room, it helps with that as well too. Yeah. The, uh, the misconception about not eating means that I'm not going to be able to function. I think you have been proving that all along. You tell me I'm fully focused and I'm clear headed, have energy. Now, keep in mind, I've done a fast with you. I've yeah. done, I've done two six day fasts with you. Um, I can tell you what to expect. Most people think that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to be hungry. What can I do? 
you don't do anything. You just don't eat. You don't pass out from not eating. Yeah. You know, you don't fall over in pain because your stomach's growling so much. Here's the thing. Most people don't even eat when they're actually hungry. They just eat because they just think it's time to eat. We, we find that, that uh, or I find that, like, especially if there's nuts around or whatever, then I'll just grab them and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not eating. And I wasn't hungry. It was just like one of those habits. Uh, because what I do know is that, uh, like, I always tell people, like, if you... If you feel hunger more than like 30 minutes, and that that one probably is hunger, but I can guarantee you, if you just like lick some salt, like some uh, Himalayan peak salt, then you're good because it's just a it's just a signal that's mixed, and so that usually suffices. Yeah, uh, and you do that, and then that means that now there's a there's a. Um, there's a hormone signal that's now completed and now your body's not confused. Like, Oh, I'm not actually hungry. I'm just, I needed some, 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 some salt. Right. And, and I like this cause it segues into this, why we're hungry. Why do we get hungry? Okay. We actually get hungry because our body's telling us you need to eat something. You need more fuel. Okay. Now we don't listen to that signal all the time because we miss that signal. When you're hungry, you know it. You're getting these growling pains, right? Think about the last time you were truly hungry. Like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I could eat whatever, right? Yeah. Now, there's a signal being produced from a couple of places in your body. They're telling you you're hungry. It's literally a hormone, okay? And you have several hormones that tell your body that you're hungry. Now, just like that, you have a hormone that can tell your body that you're full. It's called leptin. Okay. Now, ghrelin is opposite of leptin. Ghrelin tells you you're hungry. Grrr, hungry. Leptin tells your body that you're full. Leptin is very high in most people. I would say anyone that's overweight has high leptin. Anyone that has a swollen belly has leptin that's high. Someone that loves sugar has high leptin. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. And, and if you have high leptin and you eat, your body's saying you didn't need to eat. Yeah. But sugar also creates dopamine hit, hits, and a lot of time we just want that dopamine. And hit. that's not, the difference. It's not hungry. Now that's the thing. Going to the science aspect, we discovered that leptin controls dopamine, and dopamine is made of sugar. So imagine this: leptin is a signal that comes from your fat cells and goes to your brain and tells your body that you're full. It literally goes to the brain cell receptors where dopamine's at, and just says no. If you have high amounts of leptin, it shuts down dopamine. Because you are addicted to dopamine. You're not addicted to sugar. You're addicted to dopamine. Why? Because we did this experiment. We fasted for six days. And come dinner time, what do you, what does your body usually think? It's time to eat. Seven o'clock, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. rolls around. What are you traditionally doing at that hour? Eating. Eating. What do you do when you're fasting for six days between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m.? Sleeping. Sleeping. At one point throughout the day, yes, I did burn up a lot of reserved energy, which made me a little tired. Come around dinner time, Bald and I would just sit there and be like, well, we can't watch TV because we're going to see tons of food. We'd walk, uh, we'd walk around HEB just like, we're going to eat this shit. Oh, we're going to eat that. Oh, we're going to eat that. And just smell stuff. People would come in. All our podcasts were about food. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I cannot wait to eat. And it was incredible. I quickly realized how much we don't need to eat. Because when those hunger pains went away after 30 minutes, guess what? I didn't pass out. I was still seeing clients. Bald was working the front desk. I was able to think clearly. Now, granted, there's one thing I did notice. I was actually tired after like day five. Yeah. Right? And I was like basically now in a different metabolism than I was at day two. Yeah, but you also start 
going into some reserves and who knows what where those reserves, reserves are. were. Like, what, what did you eat? Was it McDonald's? Five years ago that's right. now being tapped into. And that's the difference because imagine yeah. this is not for everyone. Like doing a six day fast right away is, is hardcore. But imagine one day, no one, no, everyone's going to push fine. through it. You, you could probably push through it, but it's probably not. It's probably not ideal because so, of that, because of that reserve. Yeah. Imagine you don't tell a diabetic, Hey, you're going to do a six day fast. They would not make it. They would hate you, first of all, but they would say, we're not going to do this. You'd start them off with load them up on fat beforehand. Yeah. And probably do an intermittent fasting, which by the way, I don't know if you mentioned this, but intermittent fasting helps regulate insulin. Yeah. It used to be, I don't think it does as much. I mean, it depends. Well, again, it depends how, what you're feeding when you're feeding. I think it also comes down to what that person is doing. Yeah. And their stress in their life. Well, that's the, yeah. Well, that's, that's. A, so let me, let me ask this good question. Fasting. Can it raise your blood sugar? Uh, yes. Actually, when you're fasting, um, if you start to salivate, it spikes your insulin, like just because like, oh my God, I'm going to start thinking about food that will raise your insulin quicker than actually eating sometimes. Incredible. Right. Imagine if you because say, it's ready to, it's starting to like, oh, I'm going to eat. It thinks you're going to eat, but you're going to, but you're not going to eat, but, so it's still, it. but it starts to release that insulin to start doing. Well, it, the thing is, if it releases it and there's no calories coming in, yeah. then the body's like, okay, well, we, we brought insulin out to play. And now it's, just it's not doing anything. So, so give some sugar to it. So then it releases it from the sugar, from the fat along with, with cortisol. With long with cortisol. Yeah. And so imagine this. We, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on CJ again because he's sitting there. <laughs> Um, so CJ wore a glucose reader, um, what, maybe two months ago, he's driving over across town to come to lunch and learn cause he's filming. He doesn't eat anything this entire time driving over here. And what's incredible is his blood sugar went up on the drive over across town. He was fasted and his blood sugar went 30 points higher or something like that. He shows up at lunch and he's like, do my sugars higher than, than this morning? What's going on? I said, stress caused the blood sugar to increase. So yeah. then if you think about intermittent fasting, people say, well, I'm doing this to control my insulin because if I don't put calories in my body, I can feed off my own reserves. Here's the thing. If you're doing intermittent fasting and you're working throughout the day, you're still spiking your sugar. Right? Correct. Well, the, sure. Unless you have other practices to mitigate that. Which yeah. would be what? Well, I mean, uh, meditation or, or just breathing exercises. Uh, the, the thing, so because when it comes to women, for example, like people always like Linderman fasting is not good for women or not. It really comes down to the being the, the, the being flexible with your metabolic like flexibility. Uh, Cause you should be able now it's really difficult to, to find it because the actual thing would be for women, for example, would be like, Oh, you should like eat more carbs on like day three to seven of your cycle. But like, that's not accurate, by the way, I, I'm just throwing out numbers, but that would be the answer to something like that. You just have to figure out what would be best for someone, uh, for, for a female, but because there's a lot of hormone imbalances and it's going to do that uh, fasting can. And the different, like we were talking about the different types of fasting, like intermittent fasting, we're talking about daily, right? When we're talking about three, four, five days of fasting, you're you're strictly working on the autophagy uh, pathways which starts helping you create more nad and sirtuins uh, which is what this is what's talking about yeah, yeah. Which, so so it's funny i think i i haven't read his new book simlan yeah. has another book that's sitting on here i haven't read this yet because it looks like a bible it's like it's, it's really thick yeah simlan is uh, stronger by stress and and stress adaptation is 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 what this book is all about and how stress can actually help you live longer 
in certain amounts. So this is what I'm going to throw out there and guess what he's probably talking about. Um, so go back to the mitochondria. So if you're trying to produce energy, the mitochondria, which makes energy, does not like glucose. It prefers fat. Okay. Right. It's less efficient. It's, yes. Well, if you look at fat, imagine if you're only eating fat, you're only providing yourself with with like very clean energy. Right? So, so there's a stat on there that talks about how when uh, mitochondria uh, replicates itself uh, with a with, like with the sugar based energy, it can uh, it it can do two different uh, like it can double itself. Mm-hmm. When it's doing fat based, then they become uh, like it basically can quadruple itself. So there's more mitochondria in the same amount of space uh, when it's when it's being uh, when it's being fat when it's being fed off of fat. So it's almost like it doesn't mean that you grow more stuff. It just means that there's more like power. It's not like you grow another finger. It's just more like this finger now has a million mitochondrial DNA strands in it as opposed to like 500. Uh, because it's doing it through fasting. And so that goes through aging, right? Because like if aging happens and you're only like double, doubling your mitochondria, then of course that means that there's a limit to that as opposed to, and, and, and then you, you're going to age quicker as opposed to like if you're quadrupling or, or, or quintupling the amount of mitochondria so that there's any damage to any of it, then it has another one in that same amount of space. Pretty like, like it's almost like my neighbor has the answer here. To, so let's pull him in and we can replicate ourselves in, in, in the proper manner. But if there's only one extra one and they're both deficient or they're both dysfunctional, then it just kills itself off and you start to age. So let me let me back this up real quick. So let's look at our typical brain cell. All right, let's just look at aging. This is exactly what happens. All right, I just drew this up there if you want some markers. Um, so you have a brain cell and you have a mitochondria inside it. Each cell will have a mitochondria in it. Brain cells might have 10,000 mitochondria in each cell for all I know, right? Yep. Well, it makes energy, right? So I drew this little diagram here where it's basically sugar goes into mitochondria, it produces a little bit of ATP. Yep. Fat goes into mitochondria, produces a lot of ATP, right? It is possible that when you start getting fat, as your source of energy, you can unlock it from the reserves that you have stored up in your fat cells in your liver and even your brain when you are prolonged fasting. Day three, you are no longer running off of sugar. You are now running off of fat. Now, this is why I can prove this. When you shift your metabolic needs from running off of uh, glucose to running off of fat, you function better. Your brain's made of fat. Your liver's, you know, likes fat, you know, takes sugar, but it likes fat too. But your hormones are made from fat, right? So it's like you need, it's cholesterol based. So you need good, healthy fat regardless. Now, the problem is, think about this. Years ago, they said uh, too much cholesterol is bad for you. Yes. If you do a three or five day fast, you will have increased cholesterol. But it's really just oxidized cholesterol, right? That's the problem. Well, not necessarily. It depends on what the person had reserved for all those years, right? Because here's the deal. If cholesterol goes up after five days of fasting, we know it's because you're releasing it from reserves. Sure. Okay? Those reserves might be Burger King burgers, Long John Silver's fish from 20 years ago, right? But if you're a healthy individual, it's like sardines or salmon fat, right? Which is very clean going into the mitochondria. If you start releasing things that are reserved through a fast, you need to detox even more, right? Because now you're releasing toxins, not only from your cells, 
but from the the production of energy now from that released fat or sugar, right? So there's a bit of a detox that comes with fasting, okay? And there's also an end to it, right? So let's, we've gone through like three to five days. You know, now you're, you know, first couple of days you're on glucose. Now you're running off of fat. So day three, five, you know, you're, you're running off of fat. You have clean energy. You might be a little tired from all this going on, okay? But you understand just like anything else is going to come to an end. Day five or six, what's your preparation like going into finishing the fast? I use so like what am I going to eat? Is that what, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do to break your fast? Usually day six, I'm like uh, I, I stop doing any of my workouts at that point. But with workouts, you just want to because people ask me all the time like, do you have to? I don't really change anything uh, other than like I'll take my day off of working out um, um, on day five and six. But the the main thing that you don't want is is to have like burst of energy. Like you don't want to do sprints. Like you can run forever, you can do weights forever, but it's more of like that changing of, of momentum that can like just cause you like to get dizzy or, you know, because of like your, your sugar is low. Right. Like, um, but, uh, other than that, I'm sleeping a little bit more cause I also want to detox the brain. And, uh, and then, I'm, well, I don't always follow this, but like, I want to refeed with like bone broth and something. Mild. But the first time he did a, a fast with me six days, he ate like, 10 barbacoa tacos with potatoes with potatoes and it was just like i, w- I was so swollen like his wife my- Eric's like i was like Mary, he's not supposed to be eating and i was oh just eating it and like my stomach was right here it was so uncomfortable i really couldn't breathe and i knew it eating it they were just their eyes like you're gonna regret that so much because i couldn't digest it i'm breaking a fast with carbs which is the worst thing to do <laughs> in the world but that's all i wanted it was incredible. You know how I know sugar and dopamine are the same thing? It's because when we were walking through the aisles of H-E-B, I was craving stuff that I've never eaten before, stuff I've eaten since college, like like uh, potato wedges with like the sour cream in it and the cheese and the chives. I'm just like, why? Gummy worms. I was just like, I don't want any of this. And I was like, I'm not going to eat this stuff. And so like, we'll break it with a, you know Mexican food or something. I was like, well, I'll cook some tacos. And I threw the potatoes in there. Worst move ever. And I blew up, I blew up and, um, and it was probably miserable for about three, four hours. I couldn't poop for about a day. Like it was, it was bad. Baldo's laughing cause I'm a rookie doing this, but he's like, you know better next time. And when you break a fast, it's, it's like now you can reap the benefits of everything. It's not like, oh, let's just undo everything that we just went through because you're you're making a lot of sacrifices for the greater good. Well you just become your body becomes very efficient is is the is the is the deal there. Right? Because it's like uh I read some notes on here that um uh, uh where are we? Where are we? That um like fu- fusion and fission of, of mitochondria, right? Like whenever because fasting i mean it's a stressor right but at the same time the way that the body can conserve energy is that it'll fuse some of those mitochondria together so that way it's less work because it's it's less things to do at the same time and so it's it's really neat to see that because whenever uh because it's trying to save energy then it becomes more efficient they're closer together and they can communicate a little bit faster and they can replicate a little bit faster and they can heal a little bit faster because it's not like the other guys over all the way over there he's like right next to me because we're coming together it's almost like it's it's cold let's get together and and talk together uh and, and so but then once you're done with the fasting, it's not like all of a sudden they just spread apart. They're still together so you can just become more efficient. So if anything, 
I, I would say like, yeah, continue with the fat because like you can eat, you can eat, well, not necessarily that you can eat less or that you should eat less, but you just need less to operate at the same, at the same, uh, um, at the same level with less, with less food or with less, uh, with less energy. So what would be the benefits after a fast is done? What would someone expect to see? Like, honestly, what would they, after they get done with the fast, someone's like, you were crazy. That was stupid. Why did you do that? <laughs> People always talk about like, how much weight did you lose? Um, you gain it right back. Like, honestly, like it's, it's not even. Oh yeah. I remember that. I was like, dude, you look super skinny. I'm like, I'm not trying to lose weight. Yeah. Like that sounds like a great diet. And I'm like, I am honestly, here's the thing. At day five, the first time I did the six day fast, I was the most tired I've ever been in my life, but I was clear headed focused. It was the most confusing thing ever because we were in meetings and people well, would ask me. become more efficient. Well, right? no, no, I don't, no, 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 no. I don't say efficient. I don't say efficient at all. This is exactly how I felt. I'm sitting there. People would ask me questions and I would be like, okay, that sounds like it makes sense. And I would hear it, and, but there was no follow up because I was like, I'm too exhausted <laughs> to even talk about what's going on. I got winded walking up the stairs. So I would say there was nothing efficient about it. It was reserved. I was changing my metabolism and I was noticing the shifts going on in my body. Think about it. Got it winded walking up the stairs. 